for the reading of God's Word this morning. And by faith, I believe I have a message for you today that will uh, bring insight and depth and clarity for you. It's not a standard Christmas message, and by now you wouldn't expect as much from me. But it does come from the Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 8. If you're there, say amen. Thank you for your giving, by the way. We will make sure that all of those monies get out in time uh, to the right people today. And they were in the same country, shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them. Notice this. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, this is what I want you to focus on, let us now go even to Bethlehem. And see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known to us. I want you to mark that in your Bible. Let us go see, search out, experience, receive, bow down to this thing the Lord has revealed to us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. And when they'd seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And after the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they'd heard and seen as it was told unto them. I want to speak to you this morning on the subject, entering into that which the Lord has revealed. Uninvited. The, the angel of the Lord appears to modest earthly shepherds in a field and gave a divine measure of information to them. And y'all hang on with me just a moment for the uh, introduction. I'll let you sit down, but everything rides on this. Unto you is born in the city of David a Savior, and this is a sign unto you. You'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Not a lot of details, but divine information. And they turned that information into an invitation. God never told them they had to go. He said he'll, he'll be there. Many of us are far overeducated with very little experience. The knowledge of God without the experience of God. Knowledge of the Savior without bowing our knee at the Savior. Knowledge of His healing without being healed. Knowledge of His uh, plans for us without submitting to the plans. And by God's grace for just the next few moments, I want us to finish this part of the year on, on the subject matter. Entering into that which the Lord has revealed. Because if you don't enter into it, does it really matter to you that the child was born? So for us... 
I want to not only hear about the promised land, I want to find myself in the promised land. It's not enough to hear about his will. I want to be found in his will. It's not enough to be commissioned. I want to be in the work that the Lord has called me to do. Father, I just humble myself before you today. I am at best an unprofitable servant, but you, O oh Lord, you're a faithful God, a near Lord, a powerful God, a perfect God. And you've been good to me, O oh Lord, and I give you praise. Anoint me this morning that I might speak with clarity your word with an unction from heaven that would bring light to dark places, strength to weak places, and direction for our lives, O oh Lord. Let us make the adjustment this year. May we not be a people of information, but a people of revelation. Let it be so, Father, by the power of your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. We've all had the moments in the car when the song we've listened to many times before all of a sudden seems to come through the radio with a different frequency and it touches our soul and our heart is melted. God engaging us in the car, engaging us at work, engaging us at home, doing menial chores or wherever we're at where God breaks through the mundane, usually uninvited, most often an interruption, but he engages us with something about himself. And what's preeminent is not the introduction of the information. It's what you do with the information. Shepherds get the information. They come and bow a knee. Herod gets the information and he wants to kill the Christ. It's not enough to have information. It has, there has to be an entering into that which is revealed. That's why it's dangerous to be a student of the Word of God. Because in your lap you hold the keys to life. And effectiveness and faithfulness and, and the keys to wholeness and sanity. Number one, if you're taking notes, God does not engage you for no reason. When you have these moments, if it is him, you will know it. I've had people ask me, they'll tell me something happened. Do you think it was God? I said, nope. What do you mean? If it was the Lord, you, he don't need no introduction. I'm amazed at the preachers and pastors. Uh, I just, you know, I've done church a long time. Carol, you know what I'm talking about. They'll be in a service. The Lord's here. The Lord's here. Well, if he's here, he don't need you to introduce him. Right? No hype. You don't need anybody. Do you think that was the Lord? If it's the Lord, there is a soul stripping in that moment. There's an awareness of how small you are and how big he is. How impure you are and how pure he is. There was no doubt in their mind when this angel appeared in the heaven and began speaking for God and suddenly a host of God's created angels appeared. Do you think this is the Lord? They knew. How often do you read the Bible and say, do you think this is the Lord? Every time you open it, if it says it, it's him speaking to you. And he doesn't engage us without a motive. If he engages you, you will know it. It will more than likely be an interruption. Invitations into revelation are often initially disguised as simply information. I've, I've already covered that. It is the experience of the revealed thing, not a mental assent to it that changes our lives. It's an experience. I want to know him. Paul said, I want to know him, 
Not just the power of his resurrection, but in the fellowship of his suffering. I want to know him in the penthouse and the poorhouse. I want to know him in sickness and in health. I want to know him in better and worse. I want to know him. I want to enter into his lordship, his sovereignty, his rulership, his nearness, his glory. It's not enough to to read it. It's that I can walk in the fullness. The greatest need in the, body of the, in the body of Christ is to be filled with the Holy Spirit and walk in the fullness thereof. To walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Because, why, why is that so, John? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit, when he comes, he doesn't talk about himself. He glorifies the Christ. He makes Christ preeminent. He makes Christ the origin and the destination of all that you do. So the more filled with the Holy Spirit I am, I'm not spirit-centered, gift-centered, fruit-centered. I am Christ-centered. That's good. Look at their decision. They get this information from the angel. And whether, you know, they say, oh, that, that was profound. No, the Bible is the more sure word of prophecy. An angel could come down and speak lies. Ask Joseph Smith. He'll tell you all about it. Uh, the, where was it? Hold on. The, the angel came and gave them this information and look at, what, look at their decision. Let us go. The word of God ought to move you. You can't read it and shut it and go, well, that's the newspaper. The word of God is quick and powerful. It prods. It divides. It separates. It motivates. It changes. It brings light to dark areas. It lets you th- see things differently. It brings about decision. It brings about urgency. They said, let us go now. Look at their obedience. Let us go to Bethlehem. Well, why couldn't they just go anywhere? It's my, you know, it's my truth. I could just pick a city. I, I didn't have to be, why does it have to be Bethlehem? Because God said Bethlehem. We follow the Lord according to his path and, and dictates. There has to be an obedience there. Look at their motive. We want to go to Bethlehem and see I want to see for myself. I'm grateful for the heritage my mom and my dad left for me. I'm grateful for the men that have poured into my life. But it's not enough to know about your God. I want to know my God for myself. It's not enough for the prophets to know. And great were the prophets that came before them. It's not enough for the angel to know it. It's not enough to be moved by tears. What if they just fell on their face, cried and said... A Savior is born. They said, I want to go and see for myself. I want to be all God's myself. I want to be God-centered myself. I want to be filled with the Spirit myself. I want to operate in the gifts of the Spirit myself. I want to be affected myself. Let us see. Look at their faith. They said, this thing that has come to pass, not might, not maybe. If God says something, it, it, it's exactly what he means. No doubt. It's funny to me when the world now with their cultural pressure. Do you really believe that book? Yep. You start to tell them about the rapture of the church. Any of you ever went that route? And tell somebody, say, you really believe that dead people are just going to come back together and, and go in the air and then you're going to be translated? Yep. And I live in the confidence of that blessed hope. Well, you're just crazy. That's the opiate of the masses. 
You're just deceived. You're delusional. You hoodwinked. Well, you can call me all of those, but call me gone when he comes. Because <laughs> I'm out of here. Look at their confession. They said, this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. Not a preacher. No mention of the angel. Get off the celebrity bandwagon. No celebrity preachers. Enough already. No celebrity musicians. No celebrity teachers. Oh, I just love listening to so-and-so. Stop it. Stop it. And I know what we're saying. We're saying that I, I get them. I, I can understand when they're preaching. But you need, to, you need to bump over that, like riding a speed bump, and get to that which the Lord hath revealed to me. Now, he might have used an earthen vessel. But there's nothing in the earthen vessel worth mentioning except for the glory that God had deposited there that was used in the transference. No mention of the angel. Do you know why? Because anytime you allow any room for anything or anyone to get any glory besides God, they'll take it. Do you remember when uh, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness? Do you know the Israelites turned that into an idol? They're bowing down, burning incense to it. So Moses burns this thing down to just, just little flecks of gold and makes them drink it. You know what he told them? They said, that's the, that's the brazen serpent. He said, it's a thing of brass. Nehushtan is what the word was. It's a thing of brass. And for us, we need to understand that the, when we come to church... It's not about Christ Chapel or, or John Wood. We're hearing from the Lord through frail, feeble vessels. We're hearing from the Lord in our Bible study. And I love their confession. The Lord has made known this to me. Look at their desire. And they came with haste. How quickly we respond or how slowly we respond is a perfect indicator of the health of our heart. The Lord said that Christ is there in the city of David, born. Let's go now. The Lord said he wants to change this part of me. Let's do it now. The Lord said write that letter and apologize. Let's write it now. The Lord tells me to do something for my neighbor. Let me do it now. Delay is the twin brother of disobedience. That's good too. And thank you for those two claps. I appreciate that. Just... Thrill, thrill my soul this morning. I, I mean it. Look at their experience. Look now. And they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Man, when you have those moments where you get to the end of your obedience, where you followed God, even where you might not have been invited, you were just given information, and they, you find it just like God said. You find him to be healer, just like he said Oh, you find him to be deliverer, just like you said. See, when I tell my story to you, I'm not telling you my history so that I can glamorize all the horrible sins that I did and committed. Sins of drunkenness without measure and perversion and sexual immorality and all of that. But what brings me, what brings me joy and the reason I tell it is that I heard he was a deliverer. And they said he will save the people from their sins. Not the consequences of them. The sins themselves. And I read. This is exactly how it happened. I read in the Bible. Sin shall not have dominion over you. And I said. So I can quit. 
Yeah. So here's where we get confused. Now we got deliverance ministries. Don't write me a letter. Just hear me out. I'm not saying people can't pray from, for you. I'm not saying five people can't pray for you. But Jesus don't need any help delivering you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did he need any help saving you? Does he need any help sanctifying you? Does he need any help chastising you? But he needs help delivering us. No. No. What we try to do is find a, a, a less painful way of deliverance. And people will offer you Solomon's porch, but they can't provide the pool that will cure you. And what happens is when you come out of that sin, you have withdrawals and pain and echoes of loneliness in your heart, and it hurts. But he doesn't deliver us from the pool of sin, but the power of sin. And I still have, it's horrible to admit, sinned since then. But those sins of addiction, not once, not once since 1986. He, when he frees you, who the sun sets free is a free man. I entered into that. I entered into that. And look at their reflexive response. And when they'd seen him, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning the child. See, testimony comes after experience, not enlightenment. I saw him from us. That's why I can tell you. So they said, John, what do you mean? I'm telling you 34 years. I was drunk four or five nights a week for six or seven years, and it's been 34 years and nothing. I'm going to tell you. Not me. This, oh, you must. No, don't, don't act like I have any character or, or willpower or anything like that. I met him. And he said, I am your deliverer. And I said, yes, Lord. You see? We, we need what the shepherds had. We need to, when we hear the least little thing about God, even if he's not invited us, we run so far into it, we stick out the other end. That's what we need. It ain't wildfire that's killing us, it's no fire. It's a lot easier to resuscitate a, uh, what is it? It's a lot easier to bridle a live horse than resuscitate a dead one. Anyway made sense to me. If it is God and we enter into that which has been revealed to us, we are from that moment never the same. Number two, shifting gears a little bit. Number one was God does not engage you without a reason. He wants you to uh, enter into what he's sharing. Number two, God always has a plan. And yesterday's plan is today's plan. By that I mean bringing glory from your life to Jesus Christ. These plans that God has for you are divine, eternal plans. They originated with Him and did not come into being when you needed them or noticed them. They were there before you knew them. They're hidden until He reveals them. They are perfect plans. As, from, as for the Lord, Psalm 18:30. His way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tried. He is a buckler to those whose heart is perfect towards him, all that trust in him. Listen to this. As for the Lord, his way, his road, his course of life, his mode of action is perfect. It's complete and whole. And he is a shield to those who trust him. You don't need to have adjusted plans. 
One of the greatest gifts you can ever give yourself is to let God pick. Your life, your parents' life, your friend's life, your pastor's life, and any other believer that you know, if they told you the truth, the tragedies and horrors of their life, most of them are when they picked outside of God's plans. Period. They're perfect plans, but they are complex plans. By that I mean they're often undiscernible to those who do not walk in the Spirit. You can't just assess them cognitively. It's a surrender. I don't know who this is for. It's not in my notes, but I believe this is for someone this morning. The, the yield, the yield that says, God, there's a yes in my soul, period. That guarantees you to stay in his will. Even if you don't know what it is. I can prove it to you. Abraham, or Abram, come up out of the land of the earth, Chaldees, the land of your fathers, and to a land that I will show you. Yes. Well, which way does he go? Ain't no signs, ain't no interstate, ain't no GPS. What did we do before telephones? We had a map that was about six foot wide. He stretch it out across the front seat and hold it in the back. Which way does Abram go? There's dirt to the left, there's dirt to the right, there's dirt in front of him. Which way does he go? It don't matter, God will get you there. Do you see that? Come on, Abram, get out. Which way do I go? Just walk, baby. I got you. I will get you to my will if you just move. Move when I say to move. Do what I tell you to do. Yield to me. Let me be Lord. They are decreed plans. They are empowered plans. They are watched over plans. They are unhinderable plans. They are unstoppable plans. They are current plans based on divine knowledge, motivated by divine love, carried out by divine power to bring about divine glory for Jesus Christ. God has a plan. Well, I don't know what the Lord is doing. You don't need to know what the Lord is doing. How about this? How about we put the emphasis on the back part of the sentence that you didn't mention? How about, okay, I don't know what the Lord is doing, but I absolutely trust that the way of the Lord is perfect, and he is a buckler to those that trust him. I believe that all things work together for good to those who know the Lord and are called according to his purpose. I don't have to know. I just got to follow. Peace comes in that. Isaac, we don't know what the last couple months, we, we don't know, but we know who's leading and we know where it ends. In his will, with his favor and his blessing, in his favor is life, the Bible said. Life. And God always finishes what he started. Let me give you something real quick here. You remember when God invited Moses to, work, to well, he commanded him, tell him, go tell Pharaoh to let my people go. And he went through that whole deal. And he was to take them to the promised land. He didn't get there, did he? Come on. God buried him on the backside of some mountain. That was a mystery for you. How did God did he scoop up a little piece? or did he, I don't know. He just, God buried him. God buried him. So he didn't make it. That's what I feel like, Pastor John. I just step out and I'm doing God, trying to do God's will. And I feel like a possum for the Lord trying to cross the street and getting hit by semis and 18-wheelers. So Moses, the last we hear of him, he's buried in the backside of the wilderness. All the people he were leading except for two died in the wilderness. Wasn't a real successful campaign, do you think? 
Joshua finally gets there. The people of God go in, but they're cowards. And there's giants there, and we're like grasshoppers. You can follow the whole story. When is the next time you see Moses? Come on, Bible students. Mount of Transfiguration. And where is the Mount of Transfiguration? In the promised land. Whatever you can't do in your strength, God does in his grace. He keeps his word because he's faithful, not because we are. He keeps his word. I can see Moses standing there, Moses and Elijah and Jesus being transfigured. He's just winking. How about that? Woo, how about this? How you like me now? When we get to heaven, don't think it's because of any virtue. I could preach 50 years. Wouldn't merit me that much righteousness. I make it to heaven because he decreed it to be so. He decreed it. So his plans for Moses, his plans for you and I, as long as we're yielded, no matter how flawed we are, we enter into that which he's de determined. Number three, God always keeps his word. Just the, just the testimonies about Christ. I'll do these very quickly in the Old Testament. That he'd be born of a virgin in Isaiah 7. That he'd be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5. That he'd be born in the line of Abraham, Genesis 22. That he'd be a descendant of Jacob, Numbers 24. That he would be called out of Egypt, Hosea 11. And the Bible tells us in Matthew 2 that he called Mary and Joseph out of Egypt because Herod was killing the children. He'd be born among sorrow, and there was in Jeremiah 31, a voice in Ramah being heard of Rachel not being comforted. You could hear the wailing of the women whose children were being slaughtered as Herod looked for King Jesus. All of this was prophesied many, many years before the birth of Christ and born as our Savior, Matthew 1. So the Christmas message and these shepherds there's that one thing tucked in there. Let us go see this thing the Lord has said. And when they got there, it was as he said. Christmas, and by Christmas, I mean this time in the history of the Lord's birth. It's the evidence that God always keeps his word to the minutest detail. And he may not keep it like you thought. And he may not keep it when you think. But in the end, there will not be one person that can stand up and say, Thou hast not kept thy word. God always keeps his word. And I don't know who I'm talking to this morning, but you've got promises that you used to believe for. You haven't turned your back all the way on them, but you've hid them in a closet and they're covered in dust. And before this year is out, if Jesus tarries, you need to take that promise out of that closet, get all the dust off, put it front and center on your refrigerator in front of you and said, God keeps his promises to a thousand generations. There hath not failed one word of all his good promises. Not a word. And finally, number four, God has a schedule and everything in his will is still on schedule. In every prophecy that included dates and times and years of captivity, it happened just like God said. Brooke, if you would come for me this morning. Concerning our salvation, our sanctification, our glorification, and eternal purposes. Or, thank you, Tommy. Do you, know, do you know that you're on schedule? And there are people here today, you're frustrated because things haven't happened. I just, it should have happened by now. I brought twins home from the hospital when I was 50. I feel you. I got you. 
be 30, 31, I ain't married. I, we ain't even had no kids. 50, and then a bonus at 52. Why? Why would we let this one 50, 40-year time frame in the history of the world dictate to us what the schedule of our life should be when we have a God who rules in heaven and works it out perfectly? Perfectly. Who said I was supposed to be 20 or 30? I'll tell you this. I wouldn't have been a good father. I wouldn't have been a good daddy. You are on schedule. If your heart has a yes to the Lord, you are on schedule with him. Galatians 4 said, When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that are under the law that we might receive the adoption of sons. And because we are sons, our heart cries, Abba, Father. When the fullness of time had come, which means Mary's in this animal concave and they're watching us. It's five, four, three, two. She crowned and that baby was born. There's no way you can't tell me it's not scheduled when the Bible says when the fullness of time had come. Three, two, one. Now. This ought to free you. I don't have to know. I just see him holding the stopwatch. This is when the door opens. And John, when I open a door, no man can close it. This is when the healing comes. This is when the restoration comes. This is when the provision comes. This is when the purifying fire is turned off and the cool breeze has started to blow. John, I've, I've got this. Let me run things according to my schedule. And I'm never late. Never late. He is still on schedule to come catch away his bride. The Lord himself is going to descend from heaven with a shout. Don't tell me he'd come to save me and not come to get me. And the dead in Christ is going to rise first. And we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. The blessed hope. It is scheduled. And God's not slack concerning promises. He's not late. He's, he's just not desiring that any be lost. I wake up every day now. Mama, we were talking about this the other day. Is, is this it? Is this today? I love my life. But this ain't my home. I'm looking for a new city whose builder and maker is God. I want to go, uh, you know, cheers that show from, I forgot now, 30, 40 years ago. Y'all remember Norm? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. I want to go where God knows my name. And in heaven, he goes, John, that's scheduled for us. And every man that hath this hope purifieth himself, even as God is pure. The reason there's so little sanctification in the church today is because they're not anticipating the return of the Lord. Because you wouldn't come with the smoke of the world on you, living shacked up with someone, applauding what the world is celebrating that's contradictory to the word of God. And I'll give you one more and I'll be done this morning. 
And then there's the schedule not only of him coming for his church, but then with his church. And that's the day of wrath. The day of the Lord is not a good thing for the world. It's a day of great sorrow, a great day of judgment. The Bible speaks of Jesus treading the winepress of his wrath and his robes being completely red, which means the blood of the nations splattered up upon his garments. There was a portion of scripture in Luke 4. It said, when Jesus came to Nazareth where he'd been brought up and his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he opened the book and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. And he closed the book and he gave it to the minister and sat down. And the eyes of all them were in synagogue were fastened on them. And he said, This day is the scripture fulfilled in, our, in your ears. Well, can you imagine that in the temple? Here's this young boy. And he reads from the prophet Isaiah. He said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach the gospel. The acceptable year of the Lord. To set at liberty them that are bruised. To release the captives. And he closed the book. And said, this day is it fulfilled in your ears. Do you know where he stopped? If you look in Isaiah, he said, it's fulfilled right now. I've come to redeem. I've come to save. He stopped, and the day of the wrath of our God. That was in Isaiah. Because that day wasn't here yet. But it's at the door. He's coming for his church, and then he's coming back with his church. The second coming is not for us. That's the day of his wrath, and we're not appointed under wrath. So this, this year as we go into Christmas in the next coming days, and by the way, d- did we do announcements about our Christmas Eve service? Okay. Check your announcements. It's Christmas Eve. I don't know what time, but it's Christmas Eve. And six, I'll be here. Having communion. It'll be a sweet, sweet time. As we go into this Christmas season, though, I want you to, before, before it's here, see... Give yourself a spiritual chiropractic adjustment to where you can stand straighter and say, okay, if he said it, I'm entering into it with haste, willingly. And I want to see for myself. And then when I experience it, I'm going to be the voice. I'm going to be the trumpet at work. You don't have to be a loud trumpet to be a trumpet that tells them about God's grace and freeing power because the night is far spent and the day is at hand and they're still not saved. We're on schedule to go home and the world is on schedule to be, a ju- to be judged. That's why you have to share your faith. I know, just give me 60 seconds. I'm going to go ahead and, you know I got to say something hard. You know, you got to, <laughs> you have to. You're either going to care more about being accepted than them being judged or care more about them being judged than you being accepted. You have to tell them the gospel. You have to share with them that they're dead in their trespasses and sin and their sins have separated them from God and there's nothing they can do about it. They're damned. Well, why would you tell me that? 
because God could give you a free gift of grace if you will accept it. There's nothing you can do about it. And call upon the name of the Lord. We're in a day when everyone's wanting to be liked. Instead of giving the gospel, we're giving a bottle of water. Preach, tell them. The shepherds would tell you if they could take the mic. Why would you, why would you experience a Jesus and not tell the world? So go tell it. Go tell it. Go tell the wonderful things he's done for you. I want you to know that I love you this morning. I love this house. I love what we have. I love him. And Christmas for us ought to be special because we've seen the one the angels spoke about. And he's just like God said. Beautiful and faithful. Can someone say amen this morning? Pastor Wade, would you come? Amen. Will you bow your heads with me? Lord Jesus, that you would give us a yes heart. Now the invitation's been given. You've come to our hearts, you've come to our souls, you've come to us. May we respond with a yes heart today. So this today, I say yes, Lord. Don't know what it looks like, don't know what's ahead, but we say yes, because you are good and we can trust you. God, thank you for the joy that you put in our hearts for this moment and this season, God. Let us find someone to share that with. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Be blessed. Merry Christmas. See you guys Tuesday.